0: Across the country, protesters took to the streets and they found themselves outside of hospitals and healthcare settings, and it made big news on the campaign trail. Here is Justin Trudeau with a promise to do something about it. The Liberal Party of Canada, if re-elected to form government, will make it a criminal offence to block access to buildings that provide healthcare, whether that's hospitals, clinics, abortion clinics. Uh, pharmacies, testing centers. We're going to make it a criminal offense for anyone to threaten or intimidate any healthcare practitioner on their way into work, in the practice of their exercise of their duty, or a patient on their way to get medical services. Okay, but a couple of big questions come out of that. One is that constitutional? Would that actually would actually stand up in court? And two do we need it? Don't we have laws that do that already? To talk more about it, let's get to the details. This is Joel Bakken, professor in the Peter Allard School of Law at the University of British Columbia. Welcome, Joel. Thanks for having me on. All right, let's check the actual section of the charter that governs this sort of thing. What, What are we looking at here when we talk about freedom of speech and expression?
1: So it's Section 2 of the Charter, which protects freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, and freedom of association. And in different ways, uh, this kind of protest that we're talking about uh, engages all of those rights. But by virtue of Section 1 of the Charter, um, governments are able to impose reasonable restrictions on people when they're protesting, when they're in- using their rights and exercising their rights, if that is necessary uh, to protect others from
0: harm. The, that particular um, wording, reasonable limits, how has the court interpreted that in the past?
1: Well, in the in similar context to that we're, we're facing here, they've been very ready uh, to allow governments to impose restrictions. Uh, For example, in uh, public health policies and the Maritimes that restricted travel into a province, uh, the court said that it was a reasonable limit on people's mobility rights, which are guaranteed by Section 6 of the Charter, uh, because of the COVID pandemic and the crisis that that created. Uh, with respect to protests, the uh, courts have said that uh, protesting around abortion clinics, it's reasonable to restrict those rights in order to protect the ingress and egress of patients and healthcare care providers, uh, which is very analogous to our current situation. Uh, and the courts have also restricted protests around courthouses. Uh, where that impeded access to the courts Uh, and they've also restricted protests that impinge upon um, property rights that involve trespassing. So there are all kinds of sort of countervailing values uh, where the court says, look, we recognize that protest is really important. It's a a fundamental democratic right, but you can't do it in ways uh, that cause certain kinds of harms and that violate other people's rights.
0: Well, I guess then that leads us to the promises that we have heard politically on the campaign trail. If the charter clearly states that there are reasonable limits on protests and where they can occur, occur, is it necessary or, I mean, do we need to actually um, put any kind of law into place that would change what we have now, I guess, is, is a central question?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Charter doesn't restrict protests. It simply allows governments to restrict protests. So the question then uh, is, do do governments have sufficient tools at the moment to be able to stop uh, what is happening and what is causing harm? And I think the answer is probably yes. There is a section of our current criminal code, Section 423, um, that criminalizes intimidation that is designed to compel people from doing things that they can lawfully do. And that includes um, besetting and watching, and I'm using the language from the criminal code, besetting and watching a place or blocking roads. So there's an argument that the police and and the justice system uh, currently have the tools necessary to stop what's going on. Having said that, it's always a good idea when you have a specific kind of problem to have a law that is tailored to deal with uh, that problem. And I think there is something to be said for, I mean, given what's been happening around hospitals, there's something to be said for a law that specifically targets um, the issue of protests that interfere with the provision of healthcare.
0: I think most people would agree that, you know, those that are actually protesting and screaming and yelling at healthcare workers, that that's odious. But let me describe sort of what I saw happen on Hospital Row in Toronto yesterday, which is a, a march by not a great number of people, but there was a march and it didn't necessarily impede anyone from going in and out. I'm just wondering what the criminal code says, if you could expand on that in terms of how that's dealt with. I mean, I, I just wonder where the line is, where the criminal code that currently exists would come into effect.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is an absolutely crucial point that the the charter and and section one, when we're talking about reasonable limits, the government has to make the case that there is in fact some kind of harm that is going to arise out of the exercise of rights. So, I mean, if we imagine some examples, if we imagine uh, the protesters standing on the steps of, you know, Queen's Park and protesting, there is simply no reasonable uh, reason to restrict that kind of protest. That is not interfering with uh, with healthcare workers it's not interfering with patients then at the other end of the extreme we can imagine that protesters are standing right in front of you know the the uh, driveway that goes into the emergency uh, at a major hospital and they're actually blocking ambulances from getting in that's an easy case as well uh, obviously that is causing harm and then there's everything in the middle and i think probably the reason why uh police have been hesitant perhaps to um uh to prosecute and or to uh, pursue people under section 423 of the criminal code um is because it's not always clear where we are in that, um, in that middle area, in that gray area. And I think it's why it's very important um, for a specific law to be drawn up um, on this particular issue that has within it sufficient restrictions that it ensures that it's only going to criminalize behavior that is indeed causing harm to people's health and uh, impeding um, health workers from, from getting to work. That is what happened with um, the abortion bubble zones in the 1990s. The laws that were designed to restrict protesters uh, were very carefully drawn. You know, they had specific measures in them that you can only be so many meters uh, if you're protesting, you have to be so many meters from the entrance to the facility, um, and so on and so forth. So it was very carefully drawn to ensure that it only targeted protests that were having the kinds of harmful effects uh, that uh, parliament and that provincial legislatures wanted to avoid.
0: Fascinating stuff. You you would expect that there would be a, immediately a challenge uh, to any legislation that was brought in on this.
1: I would expect that.
0: And, and just give me a sense of the process of how, how quickly does that get, does it have to go through appeal and all the way up? I mean, how quickly would it run its way through?
1: Not necessarily quickly <laughs> the, the, the
0: processes are are fairly are fairly cumbersome.
1: Um, you know, a, a case would be filed and um, it would uh, there would be preliminary motions, then you'd have to set down a hearing, then the preliminary motions themselves might be appealed and that would delay things. So it is a uh, it is a fairly slow uh, process for that to happen. The other possibility, is that um, the government can refer it to a court, uh, can, can have a bill and refer it to the Supreme Court of Canada or to a court of appeal in a process and say, look, we want your opinion on the constitutionality of this law. I have no idea um, whether and when a law is enacted, whether the government would do that, but it is certainly an option at their disposal.
0: Joel, fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for your time and uh, telling us about us uh, about this and letting us learn more about it. Thanks for having me on, Alan. That is Joel Bakken, professor of law at UBC. My name is Alan Carter. This is Global News Radio.